Okay. So if you have a Bible, grab that. First John, where we're going to be, you can go ahead and make your way over there. I'm just, I know that was a mouthful, but guys, isn't it good to be in a church where there's a lot to talk about? I mean, praise God for that, right? And so um, if you have a Bible growing, meet me in First John chapter 1 last week. We kicked off a series in First John we're calling Verified. Uh, and really the hope as we make our way through this book is that uh, we would begin to get a picture, get a sense as to what biblical, verified, authentic Christianity looks like. Not like the census data Christianity, but like what it actually means to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, John says he wrote this letter to us, to those who believe, so that they might know. So he's talking to the church, right? He's talking to those who claim to have a relationship with Jesus. And he says this, he says, I write this so you can know. So this is huge, right? We can actually know where we stand when it comes to our spiritual lives. It's not like, uh, you know, Buddhism that says in the end of your life, as long as the scales tip in your favor, hope things go well for you, right? He says you can know that you know that you know. Right? That assurance of salvation is truly possible. This is huge. Because here, here's what I know to be true. In the, in, in the landscape we find ourselves today, there are a lot of questions on your mind. You know, right now you might be asking the question, what the heck is up with 2020? Right? Amen? Uh, I mean, I, I read on, the, uh, on my uh, phone this morning when I woke up that uh, we have an asteroid inbound or something, you know? I mean, we got murder hornets and asteroids. That's what 2020 has for us. Uh, man, there's just so much going on in this year, isn't there? So, much, so many questions. What's going to happen with schools? What, you know, what's the deal with the election? How's that going to pan out? What are the implications of that? Uh, you, no matter where you sit on that fence, do, are we going to get a vaccine this year? Is life going to resume and go back into normalcy? Are schools going to continue? What's the future of the church? All of these questions. And we have no answers. But listen to me. In a world full of questions, there is no question more important than the question that John seeks to answer today. And he says, we have an answer. How do I know? How can you know that you're saved? I want to tell you, church, there's not a better question you can ask yourself. There's not a question more, more worthy of thought, more worthy of wrestling with. How do I know that in the end, my sin has been dealt with and that I will not stand guilty of it? How do I know that I'm saved, that I have a home in heaven? Man, what a question. What a question. But listen, this is the question among all questions because this is the reason. Listen, you know, in the church today, there are so many that have a claim of Christianity they have a claim to have followed Jesus Christ. They have a claim to have walked with the Lord, to, to know him. Yet their lives don't verify the claim. Are you tracking with me? That, that from the outside and from a, a posture of, of just a, a proclamation, they say, I, I know Jesus. He's my Lord. I'm around. Yet their lives look very different than the claim. Isn't this what Jesus said? You remember Matthew 7, he said, in the end, there will be many who come up to me and say, Lord, Lord. They'll call me Lord. Like, so the proclamation of the claim is there. They'll call me Lord and, and, and they'll say, and they'll begin to unpack this resume. And, and I want to make sure you understand, the resume is really good. Okay, like the, from the outside, everything looks not just good, but like the trophy church member. Like, do we not prophesy? Do we not teach all the Bible studies? 
Do we not open up our homes to people and lead them in Jen Wilkins studies? Do we not, you know, do we not prophesy? Do, do, do we not teach and lead and do all those things? Did we not cast out demons? Now listen, I feel like I've got a pretty decent Christian resume. I ain't never done that. <laughs> right? Like, do we not prophesy and cast out many demons in your name? Do we not do many mighty works? What Jesus is saying is, man, you, you look the part. You were around. You were involved. You were serving. You were willing. But your heart was far from me. So the reply on that day will be, depart from me. Many theologians say that is the most morbid verse in all of the scripture. Depart from me. I never knew you. So that is the reason we're studying this, 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 this book. It's why this epistle is huge for us. Because to a culture that says like that Christianity looks a certain way, what the Lord's really not worried about is, is what's going on on the outside. He wants to get under the hood and say, do I know you? Do I know you? Do you know me? So what John does in this letter is give us some diagnostics for how we can actually verify our faith. Praise God, right? We can actually know this morning. Doesn't leave us in that posture of like, hope in the end of the day you don't hear those words. He says you can know right now if you have authentic faith. And so last week what we did, we started this verse and we got a couple of those spiritual swabs. And what they were was, do you know Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? Have you been changed by Jesus? If you look at your spiritual life, do you see the marks of change happening in your lives? Are you committed to the people of Jesus? So many people in the church say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. John says, you're not saved. Because the church is Christ's bride. And when you are saved, you are committed to the people of God. You are changed your heart beats for the things that God's heart beats for. So these are the things we discussed last week, and today we're going to continue. He says, if you want to know that your, your faith is actually very, you want to know that you know that you know, <laughs> that you're saved, you can do that by how you look at the sin in your life and how you deal with it. How do you view the sin in your life, and how do you deal with that sin? Not just acknowledge it's there. Yeah, I'm jacked up. Not just leaving it there, but what do you do with that? Or what do you do with your sin? And so this morning, here's the big idea. If you want to know if you're saved, verified believers run from the darkness in their lives and they walk in the light. They run from the darkness and they walk in the light. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Lord, I ask right now, Father, before we open your, your word, God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, God, you would open eyes. God, you would help us to hear from you, not me. God, I pray that I would be hidden and all that they would see is your word and your spirit illuminating the realities of what's happening. God, would you help us to verify the claim in our lives to follow you. And I pray if anyone doesn't, God, I pray you would do a work only you can do in this room. In your name we pray. Amen. First John 1, chapter, 1 John 1, verse 5 says this. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, 
We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, the great theologian Thomas Rhett has recently said, I love that that connected. Praise God for that. You know, in a time full of war, be peace. In a time full of doubt, just believe. No one start worshiping right now. In a world full of hate, be a light. When you do somebody wrong, make it right. Don't hide in the dark. You were born to shine. In a world full of hate, be a light. Now, many of you know Thomas Rhett's no theologian. That was mostly a joke. It was completely a joke. He's an award-winning country artist. And as he wrote this song, I'm, I'm not sure if he knew what he was pointing to, but there, this is not the gospel, right? This is not a gospel song, but it does have gospel echoes throughout. There is so much truth littered in this, in this song. In a time full of war, the church ought to be peace. In a time full of doubt, believe. In a world full of hate, be a light. You should do that. But here's what I want to make sure you understand. He gets a lot of this right, right? In, in our, our world does feel pretty dark right now, amen? Listen, our world, our society, our culture, the headlines we deal with, the tension, the hostility we feel amongst one another, it doesn't feel like heaven right now. That's why we ought to continue to pray that the Lord's kingdom would come, his will would be done, that earth would, would experience a work of God, right? But, the, but where the song misses, I think, is that the answer to the darkness that we experience and maybe even agree with is not a light, it's the light. (laughs) We don't need uh, us to to just do this in ourselves. In fact, we cannot. What we need is the light. And what John says is that God is the light. See, what our world needs is Jesus. What our world needs is not to see people doing good things. Non-believers do plenty of that. What the world needs to see is believers pointing people to the source of life. All light emanates from a single source. And what John says is that God is that singular source that all light emanates from. God is light. And it says there is no darkness in him at all. He's not a type of light. He is the archetype of light. He is the light. This is called theology proper because when you study God's character, what you, when you're studying theology proper, what you're studying is all about who God is, his attributes, his nature, his very character. And this, in the text of Scripture throughout, shows us that God is light, which means that he is holy, he is pure, he is set apart. There is no darkness in him at all. He is the absence of darkness. He is fully light. Absolute truth. Righteous and unstained. Throughout the Bible, God even shows himself in light. You see this in the Old Testament. If you remember the story in Exodus with Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. God is trying to validate to Moses who it is that's sending him, who it is that's empowering him, who God himself is. He hides Moses in the cleft of the rock to show him his glory, and he has to hide him because no man can see God's fullness of his glory, comprehend it, lay eyes on it without just being annihilated. And so he hides him in the cleft of the rock and passes by him, and just a glimpse of God's glory was enough to make his face shine when he came off the mountain. He goes on in the story of Israel. You know God establishes a meeting place with the nation. He establishes the tabernacle, this 
He does not just dwell in the openness of the tent. He dwells in an area of the tent behind the veil called the Holy of Holies. And it says in that space, there was no light other than God himself. Timothy tells us later on in the New Testament, and there's more instances of this. Timothy tells us that God alone has immortality who dwells in unapproachable light. Guys, he is light. And in Revelation, we get this picture of something that's to come where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth And there's going to be no need for the sun because God himself is there. He is their light. God is light. But he's not just that. It's not just that God is light. This passage here, what John is saying is that God is light, but he also sends light. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I think we're going to have it on the screen. It says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, here it is, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A beautiful passage to understand the gospel. Let me, let me show you how this works. God has decreed, he's decided before the foundations of the world of which now our world is broken and shattered because of sin, because of the entry of sin, because of the fall of man, all of creation now groans to be complete. It, it, it It leans towards the day that's coming, a day where there will be no sickness, there will be no cancer, there will be no disease, there will be no racial tension in in our world anymore. And God has decreed that into that world of darkness that light would shine. And so how does he do that? He sends himself into it because God is light. He sends light. God stepped out of glory in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what this text says is when the darkness sees the face of Jesus Christ, what it is seen is light itself. But what is light? Well, you remember in John 8, John 1 and 8, I'm going to give you two verses here. We get an answer to what the light is. In John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have, here it is, the light of what? Life. So what is light? It is life. Light equals life. That's exactly what John in his gospel said when he opens up the whole thing. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. What's the word? John John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know he's talking about Jesus. So here it is. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the, here it is, light of men. So John is saying this in in context of our passage today. He says, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. And here's the claim of many people in the church today. If we say we have fellowship, if we say we're a follower of Jesus, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so what is happening, John says in this text, is that verified believers are those who have received light. You've seen God. You've seen light and therefore we have received life in Jesus Christ and if that's true listen to me if that's true what this passage says is that we will not walk in darkness 
We will not walk in darkness, but we will run from it. We, we, we believe that as we've seen the light of the world in Jesus Christ, it is better than anything we had in the darkness. If you've had a kid, you know this to be true experientially, right? My, I can guarantee you something could play out tonight when I go home. I could wait till it gets a little dark tonight and the, the sun will go down. I could walk my daughter into her room, get her, you know, uh, her dolls out on the floor. She begins to play, and I could be really cruel if I ran out, flipped the light off, and locked the door behind me, right? And I could just sit there and wait and see what happens. I promise you one thing will not happen. She's not just going to make her bed and like lay down in it and just peacefully fall, fall asleep. She's not going to just nocturnally start playing dolls on the floor. That's not what's going to happen. It's going to sound like a murder scene. She's going to be beating on the door, screaming top of her lungs, clawing to get out. She'll come through the drywall occasionally. Something like That's what's going to unfold in that house. Why? Because... Lottie has seen light. She understands that what is in the light, namely her dad and her mom, that's better for her than what's in the darkness alone. There's a story of, uh, I heard about a man uh, who was trapped in a room, a dark room. He's locked in this room and he begins to feel his way around inside this room. And he feels one thing was sharp and cold, and he withdraws his hand from it immediately. And he begins to feel around until he feels something soft and fluffy. He begins to nestle up next to it to make a bed. And in a moment, the lights in the room flip on. And he realizes what he's nestling up next to is not a, a, you know, some faux fur rug. It is a lion ready to devour him. And what he had withdrawn his hand from was actually a sword of Christ ready to save. And the point is this. Right In the darkness, if we've not seen the light, many of the things that we are cuddling with are the things that seek to destroy us. But the things in the darkness, if we've not seen the light that we run from, that we withdraw from, are the very things that offer protection and life. And what John says here is that when you've seen the light of Christ, you know, listen to me, it's better. It's better. It's better than what's in the dark. It's better John says, believers are, those who are not those who enjoy the darkness, but we run from it. We run from it. We flee to get out of it. Their eyes have seen the light of Christ. They've seen the light of God in the face of Christ. And it's better than anything to be desired in the dark. But there's something I want to make sure you understand. Just because we run, that ought to be the, that's probably an accurate verb to describe what ought to happen in the lives of believers that we run from the darkness in our lives. I think it's Timothy that says, flee these things. Flee these things. He gives a list of things that are darkness, things that are hurting the heart of God, things that seek to destroy you. And then he says, pursue something else. So it's not just a leaving something. It's a running to something. So we run from the darkness, from the darkness to God's marvelous light. But here's the thing I want to make sure you, you understand. Just because we are, we are to run from it doesn't mean we won't finally find ourselves occasionally in it. Does that make sense? Here's, let me say it in a nutshell. Believers still sin. Believers still sin. And so if you want to know what's the mark of spiritual life, how do I know that I'm saved? You got to ask yourself, am I walking in darkness? 
That's what he says there. He says, if we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness. So what does it mean to walk? Well, listen to me. What John is communicating here is the, what is the order or the pattern of your life? What he's saying is that believers who have seen Jesus Christ, we've seen the light of Christ. We've tasted the goodness, the fully satisfying life that's offered in Jesus. We don't walk, we, we don't habitually return to the same things that Jesus died for. So, so really what we got to ask ourselves is, what is my disposition What's my pattern of my life? What's my relationship with sin? Not do you mess up. And not do you, are you ensnared by the same thing. Because here's what I want to make sure, you, make sure you understand. Some people are given to certain propensities. There are some people that you will battle alcoholism the rest of your life. There are some people who for you it will be pornography that you will have to fight. There are some things in your life that you will, will be your battlefield. The believer can know that there's spiritual life present. When, when, when we find ourselves in those places, how do you react? How do you deal? Are you at home? Are you sitting in the darkness, explaining it away, projecting your problems on somebody else, or are you running from the darkness? I think it was Jonathan Owen who said to mortify sin, to kill it, or it would kill you. Or is that your disposition? Like, is that how you think about the sin in your life? Do you run from it? Not coddle it. Run from it. Do you walk in darkness? That's the question, guys. You gotta, you gotta, we gotta wrestle with that, right? If I wanna know if I'm saved, the biggest question right now you need to be asking yourself is, am I running from the darkness in my life? Am I running? Are you at home in your sin or are you running from it? When John continues in verse 8 and he says this. So verify believers run from the darkness. Here's the second part of it. They walk in the light. Look what he says in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He says, if you say you have no sin, though, this is the hopeful part, right? I just said, man, run from the darkness. But then he comes back around and he says, but if you say you don't have any sin, man, the truth's not in you. Look what he goes on to say. He says, but if we confess our sins. So it's not just identifying that thing in your life. It's how you deal with it. If we confess our sins, he is both faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth of his word is not in us. So what John says is that you can know that you're verified. You can know that you know that you know. Right, you can rest your head on your pillow tonight knowing that you have a home in heaven, that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, that Jesus Christ came and made atonement for your sin. You can know by how you deal with your sin, how you identify it, and how you deal with it, how you view it, and how you deal with it. John says to say we have no sin is a self-deception, right? that you're, you're a liar. <laughs> you say, man, I'm perfect. I'm not really struggling. Maybe some other people in here are. Right? But not me. He says, you're lying. 
that the Bible teaches, right? Remember, remember John, uh, in, uh, Romans 3.23? Uh, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, I think, tells us that uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. All right, guys, listen. The, the, the point is that every one of us sin. Every one of us have, uh, you know, we have been redeemed if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ. Right? But all of us still sin. The Bible teaches at birth, you're dominated by it. It totally controlled the way you thought, your hearts, your minds, so that we couldn't do anything good, right? You couldn't even, you couldn't choose God in your, that's what Romans 3 also says. Like no one seeks God, no, no, not one. No one's looking for Jesus from birth. Your testimony does not start with you knocking at the door looking for Jesus. That's not how it happened. It was that while you were in sin at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Is that while you were pursuing whatever it was in the darkness, God kicked open the door and flipped the light on. That's what happened. That's our testimony. And what he says is that in that moment, we were slaves to sin, but then when the lights flipped on, the Holy Spirit acts on our hearts. He effectually calls us to Christ. He reveals the reality of our sin and convicts us of it and puts the faith that you need for salvation in you. You know that faith, it says, is the free gift of God so that no man would boast. So you don't even muster up the own faith to place in Jesus. God says, here it is. He opens your eyes, you see Jesus, and in the moment, it is the most beautiful thing to you. You run to it. You run to it. And the, 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 you're redeemed, and the bondage of sin is broken. But that does not mean, I'll make sure you hear this, it does not mean that we don't still live in the presence, we don't still feel the power of sin. We still commit sins. That's why you remember Romans 7. And one of the most hopeful passages for me, uh, Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I wish to do. Right? He, he says there's this internal battle happening inside of all people, all believers. There's this wrestling, this yearning for the, the completion, this wrestling for this new heaven, this new earth. That you're, there's, this, there's this tension that you ought to feel. And that's the great marker for you to, to ask yourself. Do you feel it? Right? Is there this turmoil in you? Are you broken when you sin? And I'm not talking about horizontal guilt. That's what I had in high school. Hope mom don't find out. My coach finds out I ain't gonna play this weekend. Right? Like that, that's horizontal. There's no vertical reality. Like there's no awakening that my sin is actually hurting the heart of God. Is there conviction present in your life? We sin. That's why Peter denied Jesus. David committed adultery. So we all sin, right? So if you're looking for a perfect place, I mean, this church is jacked up. Yep. Yeah, you hear people all the time. I'm going to go over there where they really, they, man, they, they really get it. Those people over there, they're really serious. The grass is greener over there. I don't care what their grass looks like. <laughs> the people are still jacked up, I promise you. Right, because we're all sinners, right? We all are wrestling. We all are. That's why Augustine had this famous quote he said to a man named Pelagius. He said, the church isn't a place for perfect Christians. It's a hospital for sick sinners to get well. Aren't you glad you have a bed in that hospital? 
So we're all, we all have sin, but those who are in Christ can know that their faith is legit by how they deal with it. And in John 9, man, we give this beautiful framework. Some of the greatest news in the scripture. In John 9, he said, John, sorry, I'm sorry, verse 9, he says this. If we confess our sins, you know the word confession means to agree? That's what it means. We confess our sins when we agree that the thing that I've committed has breached God's law. It's breached his holiness. So, so when we confess our sins, we simply say, God, here's my lust. God, here's my anger. God, here's my greed. I agree that this is, you died for this. I agree that this offends you. And he says, if we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, even the worst part of you. Like, that's the beauty of, of the Christian faith. It's not when you get yourself cleaned up a little bit, he'll accept you. It's that while you were still sinning, he died for you. The worst part of you. And so the the beautiful news is that when we confess, we're met immediately with faithfulness and just righteousness to forgive us our sins. Let me, let me break this down for you. First thing, he says he's faithful to forgive. I'm going to do this quickly. He's faithful to forgive. You see, God promises forgiveness to those who confess. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No, there's no other contingency on the line. It's simply a confession and a belief needed to have eternal salvation in Jesus. He is faithful to forgive. God always keeps his promises. Man, we, uh, some of you in the room, you might have been let down at one point in your life. Your mom, your dad might have walked out on you. Spouse might have been unfaithful. I don't know what the situation is. We are people who are flawed, and so we have an imperfect idea of how this looks. right? But God, praise God, he is faithful. He is a promise keeper. He is trustworthy, and this is awesome news. He's not just faithful, though. It says he's just and listen, this is, this is amazing because many times in my life, let me just let you underneath the hood for a moment. Many times in my life when I've doubted my salvation, it's because I think back and I say, God, even that? God, you mean, you, mean you, would, you would choose me when all of that was present in my life? And I think the reason I struggle with that, I don't think maybe I'm alone in here. The reason I think I struggle with that is because I think maybe God in some, some way has overlooked it. But the reason I can have assurance is because that's not how God operates. He's not just faithful to forgive. He's just to forgive. He didn't just, oh, he didn't just sweep it under the rug. That's not what happened. What God did was he punished that sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 says. Right? There was a just punishment handed down. I just didn't pay for it. Praise God, Jesus Christ lived the life I could never die. I mean, I, I could never live. He died the death I should have died. He went to the cross in perfection. He laid down his life. He didn't, it wasn't taken from him. He, he laid it down there on the cross. And what happened in that moment was when I placed faith in Jesus Christ, what God did, he saw all the wickedness of my sin. There was a penalty to be paid and he transferred it to Jesus and took from him his righteousness and laid it on me. He is faithful, church, and he is just to forgive. 
There is assurance in Jesus because he didn't just cancel our debt. Ligon Duncan said he liquidated them in Jesus Christ. They were paid for in full. Paid for. And this is different from any other religious system that says that when you die, uh, you know, you, you, you better have tipped the scales in your own favor. That you better have done enough good things. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Our faith is still a works-based salvation. It's just not your works. It is Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. The Bible says that God is faithful and he's just. You know, um, my daughter, when she first started walking, I've told this story a few times, but the way I look at it is like this, you know, this idea of walking in light. You know, you think like... I think there's a struggle with this sometimes. There's a, there's a wrestling of, am I actually walking in light? Because I'm still dealing with the sin. And I really want to lift that from you. Because I think the way that we see God portrayed in the scripture, it, it really ought to change the way we view even when we fall. You know, when you had a, uh, maybe you've had kids. Uh, and your kids are trying to walk. Man, they're the big-headed you know, weird, weirdly proportioned things. You know, they're like, they heads out front. They're trying to, t- you know, they were just walking around the, you know, the table holding on to something. Then they get brave enough to let go and that head, just inertia, just, you know, it just goes forward and gravity starts kicking in and, uh, you know, it kind of propels them forward. They take one step, two step. Me and my wife were watching Lottie do this. It was at camp one time and she starts to take a few steps and falls down. She looks up at it. I didn't get down and say, what are you doing? <laughs> you took two steps wrong with you we're better than that you know that's not what happened anybody do that is that your parenting style <laughs> no you lost your mind you said she took two steps <laughs> you don't get the camera you know that's a, that's what you did you ain't got a scrapbook together that that's what happened you took two steps and then it was three steps and then it was four steps see in the Christian life is the same way, guys. If you, when you realize the sin is present in your life, are you running from it? Not perfectly. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. And are you falling forward? When you fall, are you falling forward? Are you, are you man, taking steps and you can look back on my life and I can say, look, I, I mean, I've taken some steps. Sure, I'm, I'm still, I've, I messed up the other day, but I laid it at the cross. I've repented of it. And in God's grace and in his mercy, I'm trying to walk with him in newness, right? I'm trying to walk with him in more commitment. I'm trying to walk with him in, in greater passion and greater, whatever that looks like, right? Uh, can you look back on your life and see progress? Can you see growth? That's what this passage is saying. Not do you look back and you will walk in light. Walk and see. Decision that I'm going to honor the Lord with my life today. Not because he'll look at you and be like Jesus. But repentance and confession is not just something of your life for restoration. So you are walking near. Are you walking in a posh light? Is that we are daily to honor him imperfectly with our lives. And so today, the way I see this text, you are in here today, man, you have seen the light in the face of Jesus Christ. But you have seen him, and he is glorious to you. And he was worth bowing your life before. And you, you, made, a, you made a decision to, to follow him. 
You, you begin to walk in him. You begin to read your Bible. You begin to commit to church. You, you start to do the things that, that God is honored by. You, your heart was beating for the things that his heart was beating for. And you begin to remove and cut away the things in your life that, did, that didn't look like him, that dishonored him. Right? That was your story. But man, along the way, there was seasons of rebellion. There may have been moments of failure or whatever. But can you look back on your life and see progress? This ought to breathe life into yourselves. It ought to verify your faith when you can look back and say, I see the sin in my life and I see how I deal with it. Not perfectly. So today, for you, believer. He writes this so that you would know. And I pray that today you would see something, man. There's some step you need to take. What is it in your life that you need to confess? The band's about to come, and we're going to move into a time of worship. But the other possibility of this passage, I believe, is that there are some people who you are coddling up next to things that want to destroy you because your eyes have not been opened to see Jesus for who he is. So you continue to run back to the same things. You run back to the same broken relationships. You run back to the same empty bottles. You go back to the same drugs. You go back to the same patterns of habitual sin, looking for that thing to satisfy you when it never will. Scripture calls it empty wells. You continue to pull from, hoping it will quench whatever thirst you feel. The Scripture tells us, Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Have the light of life. If that's what you're looking for, you wouldn't find it in no one else but Jesus Christ. And I pray that, man, as the band comes and I'm going to pray in a moment, they're going to lead us in a few songs. My prayer for you guys is this. Listen, just however the Lord leads you right now. And if that is to turn around and make your seat an altar to God, if that's for you to come out and have a conversation with RC or myself, you can text the word Jesus, the number that's going to be on the screen. We'll start a conversation with you. However it is, my prayer, guys, is that we don't just come in here, open God's word, see something he puts his hand on, and walk away from it unchanged. Believers run to the, to the light. We walk in it continually. So what is it? What's the step you need to take today? And if you're in here, man, and you just don't, you know, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That, it may be very clear to you. Maybe today God's opened your eyes to see that. You know, the, Augustine also said something really profound one time. He said that we are promised forgiveness to our repentance, but we are not promised tomorrow to our procrastination. You're, pro you're promised forgiveness to your repentance. The moment you do that, he says he is faithful and he's just to forgive you. He is a promise keeper. But if, you, if you're saying, look, I, that's not for me. I'll figure it out one day. One day I'll get serious about this. One day. He does not promise tomorrow to your procrastination. There is no greater day than to bow your knee to the Lord than right now. So let me pray for you and you move how the Lord leads you. Father, we love you. God, I'm thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for um, this church, God, and just how you're moving in it. God, I pray right now, Father, as I, as I look out so many seasoned saints in this room, people who have been walking with you for a long time. God, I pray that by your word preached today, Father, you would grow up to look even more like you. Lord, I pray that there would be transformation happen in this room. God, there would be, Father, forgiveness extended if it need be. Father, I pray that there would be anger or lust just killed in this space, God, 
power of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray you would grow us to look more like Jesus. Help us as we fall forward, God, to, to, to be uh, made aware of this, that, that spiritual growth in our lives. And I pray that that would just man, encourage us in our walk with you. But if there's someone in here, God, they don't know you. They've been continually going to the same things. Because of their attendance or because of their working around this church, their busyness. Father, I pray that you would shine your light through all of that, Father. Flip the lights on in the room they find themselves. And God, I pray that they would see that what's missing in their lives is Jesus. They bow their lives before him. Experience life. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.